This audio is brought to you by Muslim Central. Please consider donating to help cover our running costs and future projects by visiting www.muslimcentral.com forward slash donate. Assalamu alaikum. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. A'udhu billahi minash shaytanir rajeem. Bismillahir rahmanir rahim. Alif lam ra. Tilka ayatul kitabil mubin. إِنَّا أَنزَلْنَاهُ قُرْآنًا عَرَبِيًّا لَعَلَّكُمْ تَعْقِلُونَ نَحْنُ نَقُصُّ عَلَيْكَ أَحْسَنَ الْقَصَصِ بِمَا أَوْحَيْنَا إِلَيْكَ هَذَا الْقُرْآنِ وَإِنْ كُنْتَ مِنْ قَبْلِهِ لَمِنَ الْغَافِلِينَ رَبِّ شَحْ لِي صَدْرِي وَيَسِّرْ لِي أَمْرِي وَحْلُلْ عُقْتَةً مِنْ لِسَانِي يَفْقَهُ قَوْلِي فَالْحَمْدُ لِلَّهُ وَالصَّلَاةُ وَالسَّلَامُ عَلَى رَسُولِ اللَّهُ وَعَلَى آلِهِ وَصَحْبِهِ جَمَعِينَ أَمَّا بَعْدُ السلام عليكم ورحمة الله تعالى وبركاته So today inshallah I'm going to continue my introduction and I've decided to organize it a little bit so that you guys can follow along and get the most out of the literary comparisons that I'm going to talk about today. Yesterday I tried to make clear that the legacy of Musa alayhi salam is intricately tied to his ancestor, Yusuf salam. This is Surah Yusuf, who is an ancestor of Musa salam, right? And even the Egyptian elite recognized that there's a connection between the two. So what I want to start with is something that's historical, but also something that's in the Qur'an. I referred to an ayah last time from Surah Ghafir, also called Surah Al-Mu'min, uh, Surah Ayah number 34. So this is Surah number 40 and Ayah number 34. I'll put it up here for you so you can see. Uh, and that is وَلَقَدْ جَاءَكُمْ يُوسُفُ مِنْ قَبْلُ بِالْبَيِّنَاتِ This is only a part of the ayah. Here Allah says that the believer in the court of the Pharaoh at the time of Musa turned to the Pharaoh and all of his parliament and made a reference to Yusuf. And here's the reference that I talked to you about. It's only a part of it. وَلَقَدْ جَاءَكُمْ يُوسُفُ مِنْ قَبْلُ بِالْبَيِّنَاتِ Yusuf clearly brought you clear proofs and signs much before. So there's a few things here. One, obviously, he's making a reference to Yusuf salam that you guys now know. So now we know that the pharaohs are familiar with Yusuf and his legacy. But he doesn't stop there. He says he came to you with proofs. He came to you with clear proofs. What are the clear proofs that Yusuf salam brought? And when you bring proof, you want to bring proof for a case, right? When you want to give a conclusion, you have a thesis. To support your thesis, you have proof. So clearly Yusuf was trying to prove something to the Egyptian people, to the pharaohs of the time, to the kingdom of that time. So what is he trying to prove? Well, all we know from the Qur'an and even from the biblical account is the proof of Yusuf is that he gets divinely inspired to interpret dreams. And the dream of a king, which everybody else thought was nonsense, was interpreted by Yusuf as seven years of famine or seven years of good produce followed by seven years of drought, which is going to come later on in Surah Yusuf. So he interpreted a dream, and based on it, he created an entire economic policy, agricultural policy. They were able to stockpile and save food, so that seven years when the water is going to run out, they're going to be able to survive. Again, we're going to talk about that in detail when that comes up in the surah, but for now this is really important, because the clear proof was Clearly Yusuf has information about these things that human beings don't have access to. He is connected to a higher power. He is a prophet of Allah. And Yusuf if he is so unfa- you know, not, not shy to share the message of Islam even when he was sitting in prison, like I said yesterday, he certainly shared it when he had the platform of being a minister in Egypt. 
and the governor of finance, whatever position he had that the Quran describes he had, he certainly talked to them about one God. What's interesting is the clear signs in his case were the interpretation of the dream and how by conserving water and by conserving the, the crop, he was able to save the land of Egypt. So the signs given to Yusuf were the ones that saved Egypt. It's pretty incredible that by contrast, the signs given to Yusuf, Musa salam, are the signs that were there to tell the Egyptians, get your, get your act together or you will be destroyed. Right? So it's the flip. The signs given to Musa salam, are showing them that they're heading towards destruction as opposed to being saved. It's also pretty amazing that the conservation of water saved Egypt. And in the end, it is water itself that destroyed Egypt in the story of Musa salam. So it's actually the same. This is Allah teaching us that something can be a blessing when you approach it the right way, and that same thing can turn into a curse when you approach it the wrong way. It's the same wind that we, the breeze we feel that gives us relief, that same breeze can turn into a tornado. That same breeze can destroy life, right? It's the same winds that bring crop, bring you know, pollen, and they pollinate the earth. And, it's, uh, and bring the clouds, and it's the same winds that can carry a virus from one person to another, right? They can be airborne viruses. It's, wind is still wind, but it's the same blessing from Allah that can turn into a, a curse, that can turn into a trial. So that's perhaps one lesson we're learning here. So today I'm going to start making comparisons between these two legacies, the legacy of Yusuf salam and the legacy of Musa salam. I'm definitely not going to be done today. We're just getting started today on these comparisons. I've decided to not rush through this stuff and to take my time, even if we get into Ramadan, which is pr pretty much around the corner. Uh, I'm going to finish these comparisons before we get into the story and take my time with them, inshallah. Okay, so let's start. Here are some overall comparisons. Yusuf salam begins his journey outside of Egypt in the land of Canaan or Canaan. And from Canaan, which is, that's how it's pronounced in Arabic, from Canaan, he is able to move his family into Egypt. And by the way, he was himself taken as prisoner into Egypt, and then he starts his life there. On the flip side, Musa salam's story began inside Egypt. And by the time his story is done, they have to move outside Egypt. So one begins outside Misr and ends inside Misr, and the other starts inside Misr and ends outside Misr. And in doing so, what Allah has done for us in this surah is He's shown us the history of the Israelites. How did they end up in Egypt? And how did they get out of Egypt? Right. So the story of Yusuf salam will tell us how they got in, and the story of Musa salam will tell us how they got out. So those two, two major migrations of the Israelites, the early migration and the later migration, are all captured between these two stories. It's also interesting to contrast that in one case, with Yusuf salam, because he was such an asset to the king, you know, nowadays we have people that get immigration sponsorship, right? So one person becomes a citizen or whatever, and they're able to bring their family over from a different country and get them residence in, in a new country. Well, it's an ancient phenomenon. Yusuf salam got citizenship. Yusuf got a government job. And now he's able to sponsor his family, and his family comes over and they all move in a dignified way in the land of Egypt and get government official housing too. You know, so they, they, they get all of those perks that come with being from the family of Yusuf salam. So it was the government, or the, and the government of the time really just means king. You know, it's not some constitution. The king is the constitution. We learned that in the surah too. Fi deen al-malik, in the constitution of the king. That's the phrase used in the Qur'an. So the king gave his blessings and that's the only way Yusuf was able to bring his whole family. On a side note, 
the king would not allow for a prisoner, any, anyone other than a prisoner, to stay in the palace, right? Unless someone's being detained. That's why early on, before Yusuf had made his case, he had to come, come up with an entire story to keep his brother, right? But now he doesn't have to come up with some secret story to bring his whole family. Clearly, the king is now aware, and he's allowing them to be sponsored, right? So they come with the king's blessing. Now contrast that with, Yusuf, uh, with Musa alayhi The Israelites are now afraid that, and Allah has told Musa alayhi you better leave in the middle of the night because you are going to be followed. You are going to be executed. And the Pharaoh by the morning is going to give this long, you know, winded speech to his entire army and say, This is a pathetic small group of people, people that have made us very angry and this time we'll take every precaution we can. In other words, he's going in to kill every one last, every last living soul of the Israelites, man, woman or child, he doesn't care. He's going to commit this kind of genocide. And the night before, Allah is telling the Israelites to get out. So by contrast, one comes into Egypt, one family comes into Egypt, the Israelites, by the blessing of a king. And on the flip side, they're escaping Egypt because of the rage of a king. And also without his blessing, without his permission, they're escaping. Right? How dare they escape without the king giving them approval? But that's what they do. Now another comparison. Yusuf salam, as I mentioned before, was celebrated as the savior of Egypt. That's why he got this government position. He saved their entire economy. Musa salam, is seen as a threat to the constitution of Egypt. He's actually seen as you know, uh, a threat to their national security. The Pharaoh says, I'm afraid that he's going to change all of your religion. And I'm afraid that he's going to create chaos in the country. He's thinking that you know, getting rid of Musa is a matter of national security. Just like Yusuf is a national savior, Musa is a threat to the same nation's national security according to the government establishment. And that brings me to the next point. Interestingly enough, Yusuf became part of the government while Musa is seen as anti-establishment. It's the exact opposite, you know. And this is again a remarkable thing. Both of them are prophets. Both of them are blessed by Allah. Both of them are guided human beings that are role models for us until judgment day. That's why Allah put their mention in the Quran. What is Allah teaching us? That it's not, you know, sometimes there's a time, there's a time to stand against a Fir'aun. But even in the time of Yusuf salam, the government was actually not a believing government. The government was actually, because he was still inviting them to Islam. Clearly Allah describes in Surah Ghafir that He used to give, give them proofs for why He's a prophet and why they should believe in Allah. But even sometimes working within a government that is not looking to oppress. You see, Musa salam is coming to the Pharaoh because he's enslaved the Israelites. And he's going, to warn, he's going to warn him and his government of the crime they're committing and how Allah can take revenge for oppressing His people. But on the other hand, if you are working with an institution or an organ, and they're not, they're not out to kill you, and they're even willing to listen. Here you have Yusuf working peacefully within a government whose religion he doesn't share. He's working within them. And so whatever opportunity Allah gives you, you make the most of it. And you spread Allah's deen in whatever way you can. And this is Yusuf remarkable career, whether he's inside of a prison cell or in a government par parliamentary role, he's still spreading the word of Allah. Right? So Allah shows these two very contradictory and very opposing roles that a believer can find themselves in. You know, this is similar to in the seerah of the Prophet Sallallahu uh, Alaihi Wasallam. The Abyssinian king was not antagonistic towards Muslims. He was Christian. Uh, but he wasn't, 
you know, he wasn't a Muslim either. And then you have Muslims migrating and even cooperating with that king and working with that king and being called at his behest, and they actually settle down in Abyssinia. So there's, there's an interesting you know, uh, idea about where, how Muslims can find themselves in different situations and where they have to make the most of whatever position Allah has put them in. Anyhow, another interesting comparison. This is pretty remarkable. Yusuf salam's story starts with him out in Canaan, and they were a shepherd people. Right, so that, that's what they do, and this is why early on you notice it, I'm afraid a wolf will eat him. Well, who experiences, who has experience with wolves? Shepherds do, right? So um, they're a shepherd family. And later on, he becomes royalty inside Egypt. So let me start again. Yusuf starts as a shepherd and ends up royalty, right? When you study Musa alayhi story, it's the flip. Musa alayhi starts as royalty in the Egyptian palace, he was adopted by the Pharaoh. So he's being raised as royalty. And later on, he runs off to Madian to save his life, and he ends up a shepherd. So it's flipped. And this is Allah's way, perhaps, of telling us that our economic situation and our social status doesn't mean whether we're closer or further away from Allah. It doesn't mean that, you know, if sometimes Allah can give you more, and that's actually not a good thing for you. And sometimes Allah can take less away from you, and that may be a good thing for you. We don't know what's good or bad for us. The point is, Allah does not, if you know, people have this twisted notion, if Allah loves you, you won't have a hard life. Well, Allah loved Yusuf salam, and Allah loved Musa salam, and He put them both through difficulty and through ease. And one of them was not better than the other. One started in what's, in a, in a worldly sense, a better situation, Musa salam. He's actually starting off in royalty, but ends up in what arguably a worse situation, actually turned out to be a better situation for him. And with Yusuf salam, it's the flip. He's in a tougher situation in the beginning, and it turns out to be a better situation in the end. You know, so uh, the the starting and the endings have been reversed to show us that Allah will. You know, the story of their lives is almost reversed, and our stories don't have to be the same. So you don't have to look at somebody else and say, "How come they have a life like that? I don't have a life like that." Yusuf is not going to say, "How come Musa's life story?" Or actually, Musa is not going to say, "How come Yusuf got to be a governor and he was fine, and I have to be, you know, wanted for murder?" He's not going to compare himself to someone else because he, it's as if he's expecting Allah to write everybody's life story the same way. They're not. They don't have to be. So we don't wish for what someone else has, because Allah will give us our own trials. And what you see as a blessing, sometimes we see other people's blessings, but we don't see their trials. Right? We don't see their trials, and this is important. Sometimes we see their blessings and we don't see their trials. And sometimes we see their trials and we don't see their blessings. And the, what happens most of, uh, most of the time with ourselves is we see our own trials, but we fail to see our own blessings. And we have to become people that see the blessings and things that we enjoy and overlook and instead of being preoccupied with our trials. May Allah help us all with our trials. Okay, so now I'm going, this, this was overall. But now today my goal is to try to walk you guys through at least the comparisons of the two parents involved in the story. This is pretty cool stuff. On the one hand, we're going to talk about the parent of Yusuf and on the other, the parent of Musa The parent of Yusuf is the father, Yaqub who's been talked about. And the parent of Musa is called Umm Musa, the mother of Musa. The Bible calls her Jochabet. Um, and Jochabet actually means tough-hearted. That's the Hebrew meaning of the word. But anyway, so one is going to be, and I've written here, Yusuf's story starts with a father, and by contrast, Musa's story starts with a mother. Now, let's take it a step further. 
the father in the beginning of the Yusuf story is fearful of a threat, but that threat is not an external threat like bandits or not even actually wolves. The real threat in his mind is his own family, his own other sons. He sees it. He sees they've got a problem. That's why the first thing he tells his son when he shares the dream is don't tell your brothers. So he's afraid of his own family. He's afraid of an internal threat. Musa salam's mother, she's not afraid of an internal threat like in the family. She's afraid of the governmental threat of the pharaoh ordering all the newborn babies killed. So she's afraid of an external threat. This is perhaps Allah's way of contrasting for us that sometimes trouble comes to us from the outside and it's out of our control. And sometimes trouble comes to us from the inside and it's out of our control. For some people, their biggest threat is their family. So what if they're your siblings? Siblings can even try to kill each other. So what if sometimes people can be parents? Sometimes people can be spouses. You know, sometimes people can be nephew and niece, cousins. But they can be, it can be a very ugly situation. It can be a very dangerous situation. And the same way, sometimes there are threats from the outside. So threats can come from anywhere. Don't assume that your trial will only come from the outsider or will only come from the insider. It can come from any place. So there's a, an interesting contrast there. And in both of them, they're protective. Like Yusuf salam's father, Yaqub, is protective of Yusuf. Right? He wants to hold on to his son. Musa's mother, obviously she's got a baby. She wants to hold on to her baby. So they're both concerned about letting go of their child. You know, they, they want to keep them under close watch because... How, who else is going to protect my child if not me? Clearly, Yaqub sees no one else around is there to protect my kid. Even his brothers are a danger to him. And clearly, Musa's mother sees nobody's there to protect my baby. The only one who can protect him is me. So they're both in a similar situation and they're concerned and they're holding on to their children as best they can because they are, they're concerned about danger that looms for both of them. Okay. Then we find... This is really cool. When Yusuf told his dream to his dad, his dad says this, First he says, don't tell your brothers. They might scheme against you. The devil is clearly an enemy. Right? That's what he tells him. In other words, he's trying to emotionally protect him. He's even telling this kid, look, I know you're a child, but you need to know some complications in our family. And the reality is you can't be naive. You can't just go telling your brothers like you happily told me and you shared this dream with me, and you have this trusting relationship, and kids trust family, right? So don't trustingly go telling your brothers. He wants to protect his child, but he also then nurtures him. So protection of the, of the emotional kind first, right? And then another emotional layer of nourishment, what does he do? That is how Allah has selected you. You're special, Allah has chosen you. And Allah is teaching you the interpretation of all kinds of speech. I can see that you're very smart and Allah has given you this talent that He, he Himself is teaching you how to interpret all kinds of things, all kinds of speech. And Allah is going to complete His favor on you, meaning you have a bright future. Not only will Allah complete His favor on you, He's going to complete His favor on the family of Yaqub. Now who's Yaqub? The one talking. He's saying it himself. You, Allah will favor you, and because of you, Allah is going to favor my family. Meaning, I'm proud of you, son. You're a pride of this family. Ali Yaqub. And then he says, كَمَا أَتَمَّهَا عَلَىٰ أَبَوَيْكَ مِنْ قَبْلُ إِبْرَاهِيمَ وَإِسْحَقُ Just like he completed his favor on both of your fathers from much so long ago, Ibrahim and Ishaq, meaning your grandfather and your great-grandpa. 
So Allah has been doing this for our family. So he reminds him, first he tells him of a bright future, then he tells him about his noble past. Like you're a continuation of this noble past. So he's, he's emotionally and spiritually nurturing him and giving him loving advice. إِنَّ رَبَّكَ عَلِيمٌ hakim. Your master, certainly he is knowledgeable and he's, he's wise. So he's, the, the, and I wrote here emotional and spiritual nourishment. But if you contrast that with Musa salam, we find the first thing Allah inspired her to feed her baby. So she's breastfeeding her child. An ardi'ihi, you know. So she's physically holding, holding her baby, she's hugging her baby, and she's feeding her baby. That's physical nourishment and that's physical affection. So there's a contrast between emotional and spiritual nourishment, and then there's physical and you know, you know, bodily, meaning food, and also hugs, physical affection. And there's two very different types of affection. Somebody can be affectionate with their words but never hug, right? Well, some people, some people have really tough dads that never give them a hug. They say, Assalamu alaikum, how are you? And you're like, oh, you know, it's like dads can be generals, you know. Sometimes there are parents that are very loving physically. They hug and they, they, you know, they pat you on the head. They take you to your favorite restaurant and all this other stuff, but they never talk to you. They never, you never have a real conversation. All, the only conversation you have is, hey, how was your day? Hmm, that was okay, good. And life just goes on. So they're nurturing you physically, but they're not nurturing you emotionally and spiritually. In contrasting the two, Allah has so, shown two sides of this picture. Perhaps, you know, and uh, I've said it later on, you know, one highlighting the father, one highlighting the mother. Usually, you think of physical nourishment, like providing for the family, safety for the family, that kind of thing. You usually attribute that to the father. And then when it comes to, you know, nurturing and emotional conversation and even teaching religion, you sometimes associate that with the mother. What Allah has done is flip those roles as if to say, no, both have to do both. You know, this is not the norm. Normally, you don't find a father being so emotionally involved in a conversation. You find the father being more involved in, did you finish your schoolwork? Did you, did you take, clean out the backyard? Did you do this or that? And just chores and work and safety. And that's it, and providing. Right? But he, they're kind of roles that have been reversed. The other really cool thing here is that Yusuf salam is you know, a young boy. And Musa is a baby. And Allah is contrasting that when children are very little, like babies, they need physical nourishment. They need to be held. They need to be hugged. They need to be shown the physical forms of, of nourishment and affection. Feeding, hugging, holding, carrying, patting. You know? And when kids get older, then they need to be spoken to. They need to be engaged emotionally and spiritually. We need to talk to them about Allah. And we need to talk to them about difficult things. He talked to him about his brothers. It's a difficult subject. But you have to talk to kids about it. To, to make them emotionally stronger. We can't keep shielding our kids. So both sides of it, given the age, as the age grows, then you, they can handle more. And we shouldn't treat them like babies until they get older. In my culture, in Pakistan, sometimes we have kids that are like 14 years old and the moms are still going, <laughs> Stop. You need to start treating them a little more maturely than that. Because if you treat them like a baby, they're never going to grow into men and women. They're going to keep acting that way. So we need to stop talking down to our kids. The other thing a lot of cultures have is teasing kids. Like teasing them, making fun of them, poking at them constantly out of a joke instead of being nourishing to them. And that makes them very agitated people and they become that way and sarcastic and passive aggressive in their personalities because it was embedded in their personalities. Okay, let's move along. 
because I got to finish this parents thing today. All right. So it, uh, this sort of should have been understood, but I think it's worthy of mention. You'll notice in the story of Yusuf alayhi salam, the mom's not been talked about. And it's by, by inference she's there, but not directly, she's never talked about. And in the story of Musa alayhi salam, the dad has never been talked about. Like the, the mom of Musa is there, but the dad's never been talked about. And as a, as a curious reader of any story, especially the Qur'an, when you're reading Surah Yusuf, you're like, hey, where's, where's the mom? What about Yusuf alayhi mom? And when you're reading Musa alayhi salam's story, you're like, where's Yusuf, Musa alayhi salam's dad? Like, how come Allah never talked about his dad? So in one, deliberately, the mom is missing, and the other one, deliberately, the dad is missing. And that is perhaps Allah's way of telling us, hold on, I got a dad story for you, that's Yusuf, and hold on, I got a mom story for you, that's Musa. So focus on one parent and their role at a time. So they were kind of given special attention, these parents. In one case, the mom, and in one case, the dad. So we can focus on and learn guidance in regards to mothers and in regards to fathers, each so this is, this is a pretty amazing thing that Allah has done in both cases. Now, by the way, if you're wondering how many there are, I think there's 16. So, yeah. So if you want to go eat a sandwich, I'll keep talking. It's going live. It's, it's cool. Okay. So Yusuf alayhi salam, the father does not want, I mentioned the father doesn't want to let his son go. Yaqub alayhi salam does not want to let Yusuf go when his sons come. But they give him, they pressure him, they put, you know, this pressure on him, and he finally lets them go in the, in the woods. They say he's going to play along with us, he's going to run around and play. On the flip side, no mother would ever want to let go of her baby. And of all things, to let go of your baby by putting your baby in a basket, which has not been tested for extreme water sports, it, it's not a canoe, there's no guarantee it won't sink, and it's not a swimming pool, it's not a bathtub. Moms go crazy when you put a baby in a bathtub. Oh, that's too much water. <laughs> easy, easy. I don't want my baby drowning. When kids even look towards a swimming pool, moms grab the baby and move to the next house. <laughs> right? It's an extreme, like, babies and water, moms get jittery about it. If, if a dad takes a baby into the beach, and he's carrying the baby in his arms, and he's walking into the water, the mom loses her mind. No, 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 come back, come back, come back. You go drown, give me my baby. Right? She doesn't, she doesn't want the baby near water. And here a mom is being told to take her baby, put it in a basket, and put that basket in a moving river. It's, a ri it's not even a pool or a pond or a lake. It's a river. And the Egyptian rivers had crocs. A lot of people don't know it had crocs. And even experienced swimmers have a hard time swimming in a river. Because the waves are just tossing and turning your body any way they go. And there are rocks in the river. So the basket floating can slam a rock and that's it. Or one strong wave and it can flip over and that's it. You know, like it, there's so many, it's so illogical what she has to do. So on the one hand, then how, how does she do it? She does it because she was inspired by Allah to do it. The Quran tells us. We reveal to the mother of Musa, feed him, and when you're scared for him, when the danger of the, the soldiers knocking down the doors to kill the babies get too close, put him in the river. Just put him in there, put, take the baby, put it in the basket, put it in the river. That sounds crazy, but she, she did it because she had revelation from Allah. And I'll, I'll dig into that a little more now. Yusuf's brothers actually, when they said to their, uh, to their father, let Yusuf come with us, he'll play and run around. 
And the father said, no, I'm scared. I'm, I'm, I'm first he said, I'm worried. I'm worried that uh, First of all, I'm afraid that you're going to take him away. It's an interesting wording he said. When we dig into the ayah, we'll dig deeper. I'm afraid you'll take him away. He didn't say, I'm afraid you'll take him. Or you'll be with him. He said, you'll take him away. So he was kind of right already. You could tell he's already thinking along those lines. You, you kids are not right in the head. Or in the heart. And then he says, I'm afraid that a wolf will eat him. You know what they said? How can a wolf eat him? We're, we're strong. We're a band of brothers together. Animals will run away from us. We hunt wolves. You know? If, if, if they could eat him while we're around, oh, come on, we must be some lost people. We must be some serious losers. We would be some serious losers for him to get eaten by a wolf. Dad, come on. He's got so many brothers looking out for him. There's nothing to worry about. So they give him logical reasons. And after all that reasoning, the father is pressured enough. He knows they're not going to let up. And so he lets them go. The thing with a mom is, it doesn't matter how much logical reasoning you give her, if she's got it in her head, that it, that's my baby and that, that baby's in 1% danger, she ain't letting go for nothing. You give her all the reasons you want. You've got kids that say, Mom, I want to go to this college. What, away from home? Yeah, I want to go away from home. No, you're not going. But it's the best school. I don't care. I got accepted. I don't care. It's a scholarship. I don't care. It's half the tuition. I don't care. But I already applied. I don't care. I'm going to lose a year of school. I don't care. You're my baby. You're staying here. I don't want to hear it. Because, and you ask her why. And she won't tell you why. And then later on she'll say, because I'm scared. Her fear trumps all argument. You can't argue anything in front of a mom when she gets scared. My baby's safety comes number one. I don't even care what my baby wants. And my baby could be 35 years old because she could still act like she's a baby. He's a baby. That's what she could do. Then how in the world did Musa's mother let go of her sense of overprotection for her child? You've seen animal documentaries where like bulls that are no match for a lion when one of the, one of the a buffalo, a baby buffalo is attacked by a lion, they come back, the parent comes back and fights a lion. It's illogical. But it does it anyway because it's his child. Or it's her child. Here you have Musa salam's mother letting go of her protectiveness of her child over something not even logical, completely illogical, put a baby in the basket. Why? Because this is actually faith. She was given this revelation by Allah and her revelation was able to overcome even the strongest emotions. And this is a key. The revelation from Allah, when somebody truly believes, is fight, the, the instruction from Allah is sometimes, fight, sometimes fighting against your feelings. And your feelings have to get crushed before the revelation of Allah. Because no one loves you and no one is mindful of protecting you. No one is looking out for you more than Allah. You and I start thinking we're looking out for ourselves more than the word of Allah. I'll have to let the motorcycle guy go. Okay. So that's the, the, the word of Allah is there to love and protect us more than even we think we can do for ourselves. And that's what she understood. So she put her emotions aside. She put them aside. And Allah gave her the strength to put them aside, which is coming a little bit later on. Anyway, another comparison. The father said two, he mentioned two feelings. He said, It certainly worries me and makes me sad that you'll take him away. And I'm afraid. So worry and fear. Two emotions. 
On the flip side, in the story of Musa السلام, the mother is told, وَلَا تَخَافِي وَلَا تَحْزَنِي And don't be afraid and don't worry. In the flip. Sometimes fear first, worry second. Sometimes worry first and fear second. And that's going to be, inshallah, a long conversation when we get into that ayah about fear and worry. And why those emotions in that order, in those two orders, are really important to understand. Because a person goes through traumatic experiences, sometimes starting from worry and ending in fear, and other times from fear and long-term worry thereafter. Okay, so inshallah, we'll, we'll, we'll look at both of them. Now, uh, the next comparison. The father cries out when the sons come back with the blood, bloody shirt, and they make up the story. You're right, dad, I guess a wolf did get him. I don't know how you knew. So when they give him this, this story, the father is upset. And he says, Wallahu al-musta'an. You know, fasabrun jameel. The only thing left to do for me now is to have patience. And only Allah's help can be sought against the creative lies you're coming up with. Wallahu al-musta'anu ala matasifun. So he cries out for Allah's help. And he's going to try to find patience. But he, he speaks out. And later on we find his, he lost his eyesight. That's coming too. On the flip side, the mother of Musa she put the baby in the water. The baby's floating away. What would a mother do five seconds after making that decision? Oh my God, what have I done? That's my baby! Like she would have a reaction. But nope. Allah says, وَأَصْبَحَ فُؤَادُ أُمِّ مُوسَى فَارِغًا إِن كَادَتْ لَتُبْدِبِهِ She almost exposed what she had inside. She almost showed her heart for what it was. Because that's her baby floating away. لَوْلَا أَرَّبَطْنَا عَلَى قَلْبِهَا had we not given firmness to her heart. So she doesn't say a word. Musa, Yaqub says the words of sabr, cries out. Musa's mother has to hold all of her emotions in. Because even if soldiers walk in, they don't see a baby, but they see a lady crying. And they're like, why are you crying? There's got to be a baby. She can't even give that up. She has to contain all of her emotions inside. And that's actually a power Allah gave her. Allah gave strength to her heart. Now this is important because on the and why did she have part of the strength that she had to hold her emotion was because even before she put the baby in the water, Allah told her, Inna raduhu ilayki. We will return him to you. We will return him to you. Yaqub was given no such promise that Yusuf will be returned. Allah didn't tell him. But you know what's what's even more interesting to me about this is Yaqub is a prophet and she's not. And you would expect a prophet should get revelation. And a non-prophet should not get revelation. And the, who, the one who's a prophet, Yaqub, gets no revelation that Yusuf is coming back. And the one who's not a prophet, Musa's mother, gets revelation that the baby will come back. <laughs> because Allah will give in the heart to whoever He wills. When Allah can inspire the bee, Allah can inspire, you know, Allah says, وَأَوْحَى رَبُّكَ إِلَى النَّحْلِ Allah revealed to the bee. Allah can put inspiration inside a believer's heart too. We're learning in this, sometimes revelation or a feeling from Allah is withheld. Sometimes it's even, relief is even withheld from a prophet. So who are you and I? Like when is Allah going to give me relief? Ask Yaqub But sometimes you don't have to be a prophet for Allah to send angelic, you know, calm into your heart, even though you're not a prophet like the mother of Musa So she can do the hardest thing she's ever done in her life. She could never have done that on her own. She had to have some divine, heavenly help to make her heart strong enough to put that baby in a basket. And Allah gave it to her by her promise, we'll give him back to you. Inna radduhu ilayki. Okay. Now, 
Yusuf Alayhisalam's father, soon after hearing that the son has been lost, doesn't know what happened to his son really because he knows they're lying. Now it's one thing that you know your child died. It's another to not know what happened. And to the only people who know what happened are lying to you. And they're not telling you what really happened. And you can't get it out of them. This is the most traumatic thing that keeps him crying and crying and crying until the Qur'an describes His eyes turned white, meaning he became blind out of crying. On the one hand, you find Yaqub cried so much that he went blind and Allah did not tell him that your child is you know, going to be returned to you or your child is okay or he's in Egypt now or he's, 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 being, you know, he's serving in a household now. He's safe for now. He doesn't tell him any of that stuff. He doesn't say the angels are guarding him in a well now. He didn't tell him any of that stuff. And he's crying and crying and his eyes become white. And on the flip side, you have Musa's mother. What does Allah say about her? A few hours later, a few hours later, the, the, you know, his sister, Musa's sister goes and comes back and gets her hired as a wet nurse. Allah says, So her eyes could become cool and she wouldn't be sad. So you got a father who, whose eyes are so warm, they turn white. He's so sad they turn white. And the other, the mother's eyes become cool, meaning she's now tr- crying tears of joy because she's been reunited with her child. And these both things happen soon after the baby and the child has been lost. Okay. Now, Yusuf alayhi salam, his sons are a lost cause, it seems. No matter how much he tries to reason with them, he can't get through to them. So the only thing he can do is sabr. He's got no support system around him. He's got nobody else to support him. So the only option he has is sabr. On the other side, Musa's mother has his sister, who is a good daughter, who is a good listener, who is obedient. So she, unlike Yusuf, which you know, people think Yusuf salam had kids, he could have just yelled at them. He could have just told them, no, tell me what really happened. They would have listened. How come he did? He just said sabr, like he left it to Allah. He didn't just leave it to Allah. This is Allah's way of telling us from the outside it looks like, listen carefully now, from the outside it looks like you had so many options, why didn't you take them? But on the inside you'll realize that this person did not have any options. It was much more complicated and much worse than it looked from the outside. From the outside it's so easy to judge and say, how come he didn't just tell his sons? Huh? But on the other side, look at the flip. What does Musa's mother do? When she lets her baby go, she doesn't say, oh, sabrun jameel. I guess I can't fight against the Pharaoh, I just have to have sabr now. No, she, she takes her daughter and says, go follow him. Go follow him. What does that mean? And you know, if she did nothing, we would understand. <laughs> We'd say, well, what could she do? It's the Pharaoh, it's the mightiest army on earth. The baby's gone in the river. All, I mean, all she can do now is have sabr. Allah said he'll bring the baby back, so Allah will bring it back. She doesn't have to do anything. But you know what? You'll learn something on both sides. Sometimes it looks like you can do something, but the reality is, you know that you can't do anything. Other people think you can. On the flip side, sometimes the world thinks you can do nothing. But you still can. She does. She tells her sister, his sister to go out and follow him. Even though following him is not going to crush the Egyptian army. It's not going to save the baby, not logically. But that's the least I can do, at least follow him. Let's find out what happened at least. So she takes whatever step she can. This is Allah teaching us that we always have to look around exhaustively. Is there anything I can do? When I'm stuck in a situation, is there anything I can do? Is there any support that I have? Even if it's a child. In this case, it's a child. 
You know, some people say, I have no support system. Nobody understands my pain. Nobody's there to carry my... This is a kid. This is a kid. Sometimes your support system comes from the most unlikely places. But with Yusuf, with Yaqub, he's truly isolated. He's older. His sons are rebels. He has nobody supporting him around at all. And the youngest brother is way too young right now. He's a baby himself, bin Yamin. So he's got no support structure. So what this is teaching us is, look for any support option you possibly can. The other thing that this teaches us is, we don't just rely on Allah. We, relying on Allah means that Allah will give us people or blessings in our life to support us to take whatever steps we can. We don't just wait for angels to come and help. We have to take steps ourselves. That's Allah's help. So this daughter was Allah's help. By the way, inshallah, uh, tomorrow's session is going to be about the siblings. Today's is about parents. Tomorrow's one is about the siblings. Almost done here. Okay. Yusuf Ali's father is hopeful. He's still optimistic. He's still missing Yusuf, as if Yusuf is going to come back. You know, if he thought that Yusuf is gone, then he's no longer sad for him. He can move on. But he's not moving on. Years go by and he's still crying. Still hopeful. The hope makes him cry even. And he has no revelation. And on the other side, Musa salam's mother keeps hope because she has revelation. What does that mean? Sometimes you have a guarantee from Allah. Sometimes you don't have any guarantee. But you still have to keep hope alive. It also teaches us it's okay to cry. It's okay to cry so much that you're about to lose your eyesight. It's okay to be so sad and so overwhelmed by a circumstance that you're almost nearing death because that's what his brothers said to their father years later. Our, we swear to God, are you going to keep missing Yusuf until you die? Until you're going to be a corpse? You're killing yourself. And you know what? Allah is telling us sometimes there is grief like that. You can't just tell somebody, don't be sad. Stop being sad. If a prophet has the right to cry like that, if a prophet has the right to be sad like that, then you don't get to go to somebody and say, hey, have sabr. You should have sabr. You should be a better believer. You're going to be a better believer than Yaqub alayhi salam. We should have more empathy for people that are going through something like that. And sabr is not, and he's the one who said sabr. Sabr doesn't mean you don't cry. Right? Because he said sabr on jameel. He's the prophet of sabr. And yet he's the one crying. He's the one overwhelmed. So you're being emotionally overwhelmed does not mean you lack sabr. Lacking sabr means your emotions make you disobey Allah. Your emotions make you lose hope in Allah. Your emotions make you, you, you can still feel sadness, fear, grief, anger, anxiety. You can feel all of those things, but none of them take you away from your faith in Allah. That's sabr. That you don't cross a line. You know, when sometimes people get emotionally overwhelmed, they say, I don't know what Allah wants from me. That's you losing sabr. Everything else was okay. That was the, that was the line you should, be, should have been crossed. On the flip side, Musa alayhi mother was given divine sabr, divine help from Allah. And, with, and it's because of that that she didn't lose her mind. Any mother in that situation would have lost her mind. But she was able to keep her composure. Then Yusuf alayhi salam, this is contrast. Years later, the dad is reunited with his son, right? Years later. So years of crying. And Musa is reunited with her baby hours later. And hours later, it's incredible. And what's even more, I didn't even write this, it just came to me. Yusuf is bringing his father and everybody back because Yusuf is the source of nourishment now. Allah has made him the source of rizq because he's the one that's got all the nourishment for all the land. 
So including his family, he's going to be the one responsible for feeding his family because his family's starving. Actually, that's why they came to Egypt because they were what? Starving. So the, the family is coming to Yusuf because the family is starving. But in the story of Musa, the mom came to Musa because Musa was starving. He's the one that needs to drink the milk. So she's coming to feed him. SubhanAllah. Rizq comes from both ways. Sometimes the parents become a source of risk for the child. Sometimes the child becomes a source of risk for the parents. And both of those are flipped opposite one another. SubhanAllah. It's incredible. It's incredible. It's also remarkable that we're, we're kind of embedded in the story. When we're little, our parents provide us risk. Like Musa is a baby. And the mom's providing him risk. And when we get older, perhaps our parents aren't able and we have to take care of their risk when they're not capable to. So that, that kind of embedded lesson inside of the two stories. Then Yusuf salam, when he told the dream to his dad, his dad told him, keep this a secret, don't tell your brothers. Remember? But he, he told him this. He told him, keep this a secret. Now there's a secret in the Musa story too. The secret in the Musa story is, Yusuf alayhi salam, Musa sister was told, follow him. When the basket was going in the river, mom said, follow him. But you know what? The Qur'an describes that قُسِّهِ When she said, follow him. Okay? فَبَصُرَتْ بِهِ عَنْ جُنُوبٍ وَهُمْ لَا يَعْلَمُونَ And so Allah describes in Surah Al-Qasas that she kept an eye on him from a side glance. She didn't look straight at the basket and say, oh my God, that's like my brother in the basket. That's why I'm following him. She didn't do that. She's walking along the bank of the river and she's keeping an eye from the side. In other words, she doesn't even want people knowing that she's looking at the basket. بَصُرَتْ بِهِ عَنْ جُنُوبٍ وَهُمْ لَا يَعْلَمُونَ And they don't know. Meaning people around her don't know that that's her brother. In other words, she kept a secret. What's her secret? That that's my brother. That there's a baby in that basket. And later on she kept another secret. When the wet nurses were coming out looking for somebody to feed Musa, she said... Should I tell you of a family? They might be able to take care of him. There's somebody that might be able to help. She's talking about her own family. She doesn't say that. She keeps that a what? She keeps that a secret. So there are two secrets. Yaqub is telling Yusuf to keep a secret. And Musa's sister is also keeping a secret. Now, why is this important? It's important because sometimes our children are street smart and sometimes our children are not street smart. Yusuf is not street smart. He's too gullible and naive and innocent. So if he sees this dream, he might gullibly share it with his brothers. So he has to be told, don't tell your brothers. Because the father knows you're way too innocent. You don't know how crooked people work. So I need to spell this out for you. But Musa's sister is street smart. She knows what it's like to live in the oppressive land of Egypt. She knows what the soldiers are like. She's dealing with the outside world every day. So you know what? The mother just says, follow him. She doesn't say, follow him and keep this a secret and don't tell anybody. She didn't say any of that. She, the girl did this all on her own, didn't she? She figured all that out. And she, she didn't say, and by the way, if they come looking for you, don't tell him them that you're, you're his sister. She figured all this out on her own. In other words, sometimes, and that doesn't mean that Musa's sister is a better child than Yusuf What Allah is teaching us is sometimes Allah gives us children that are very world smart. They're sharp. They can pick up on things. 
and you should be as a parent sharp enough to know which children are sharp in some things and dull in other things. Yusuf is so profoundly wise when it comes to some other things, yes or no? And yet, he's not very clever when it comes to understanding his brother's intents. And Musa's sister is no prophet. She has no revelation, but she understands how the world works. She knows how the streets work. So there's different kinds of wisdom. And you have to recognize which wisdom your child has and take advantage of it. Let them, let them utilize it. So, she, so you, you see two very different kinds of personalities of kids and how they have to deal with the outside world. It's incredible that that contrast is laid out. The other remarkable thing is you would think naturally that you know, girls should be protective and be inside, right? And they're safer at home. The safety is at home. But she's the one protecting the child by going outside. And boys are supposed to be outside. And yet the boy's in danger at home with his own brothers. It's a contrast there too, subhanAllah. What Allah does is, He doesn't give us the typical picture. He gives us the atypical picture just to tell us not everybody lives, has the same kind of life. Not everybody has the same kind of situation. There's a variety of situations. I know it's a long session. The Ramadan ones will be short because y'all be fasting, I'll be fasting too. They'll be 30 minutes. But this comparison stuff, I got I to gotta get it out of my system and I got to get the parenting. 16, right? I told you 16. So we're, we're so good. Okay. Now, by contrast, pretty interesting also. Yusuf was being put in the well and Allah told him, you will be telling, him, you will be telling them one day what they did to you. Allah told him there's going to be a reunion. Yes? On the flip side, Musa's mother was told there's going to be a reunion with you and your baby. So on the one hand, the child was given revelation that a reunion will happen, and on the other, the parent was given revelation that a reunion will, ha will happen. SubhanAllah. And so that's a brief one. And then Yusuf salam finds his parents, and he raises them through it to an Egyptian throne. He raised them on the throne. He, put them on, he honored his parents. Musa salam's mother is brought back, but she's turned into a wet nurse, a servant in the house. Right? So what we're learning is sometimes... And by the way, eventually Yusuf, Yusuf was royalty eventually. And he traded his parents also like royalty. But Musa salam became royalty eventually, but was not able to treat his mother like royalty. She still remained a servant secretly, right? She had to maintain that role. What Allah is teaching us sometimes is that we have limitations in how we can serve our parents. If you're able to raise them to a throne, you're able to raise them to a, to a throne, like Yusuf. But sometimes you might even make it to a throne, but you're not able to bring them to it. No matter what you do, the circumstances won't allow it. Right? So you, that doesn't mean you're not good to your parents. That just means Allah created a different set of circumstances for you where there are limitations. And you have to do the best within the limitations that you have. Everybody's got a different story. So what somebody else did for their parents, and you're like, I wish I could do that for my parents. Well, maybe Allah didn't give you the same set of circumstances. Maybe you have to, you have to scope out your own story, your own circumstances, and see what best you can do. right? And this is Allah showing us the diversity of, of circumstances and how we have to be on our best. And finally... The father gives, and actually I, um, I actually explained this one to you already, how Musa's sister was not given much instruction. So I, I put that at the end here. And that's actually it. Uh, because this one says, okay, bye. I'm super excited about this series. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah.